Welcome, welcome everybody. This is the TF1 Podcast. This is your humble and gracious host, Trey. We are coming on episode 11, and let's not even waste any time. It is kaboom! Hamilton and Max come together again, right? And we have Super Botas, who did a fantastic job. So let's get right into it, guys. Without even wasting time, uh, what a weekend this has been in Monza. Um, You know, we thought we were going to see a different kind of race, but... Of course, we all know uh, we had a very, very kind of monumental collision we had between Hamilton and Max. So I just want to jump right into it. You know, we did have the sprint race on Saturday and um, Hamilton did not have a good start. That really kind of compromised the rest of his weekend. Bottas, on the other hand, you know, has been doing fantastic the entire weekend. And, you know, when they lined up for the race on Sunday, of course, Hamilton was a bit compromised. So let's jump right into it. Uh, We did see that when Max was in the pits, the usually good mechanics at Red Bull, they actually had an issue. So this is not you typically don't see this. There, that stop was about 11.4 seconds. I mean, in F1 terms, that's an eternity. So, Max race is pretty uh, compromised at that point with that long pit stop. So, now Mercedes have Hamilton on hard tires. Okay, he's the only one uh, in the top 10 that started with hard tires. His start was actually very good when they first started. He was literally side by side with Verstappen, almost actually overtook him. And we need to just put a little marker here and mention before I even get into the collusion. At this point, when they were side by side, this is right at the start of the race. And like I said, Hamilton, even on harder tires, such was the pace of the Mercedes. He was alongside and what he had to do was a split decision as far as, you know, to avoid a collusion. So you can see that Hamilton backed out. Again, you know, this is important because once we get to a collision, you guys know exactly what happened. So once he gets out of the pits, this is Max we're talking about, the long compromised pit job that the Red Bull mechanics did. So he's kind of on the back foot now and he's out. Now, to my surprise, and I think most people's surprise, what happens is Mercedes call in Hamilton in order to cover Max. They call him in into the pits. And, you know, I got to be honest in my head, I'm going, he has hard tires. The Mercedes, without any doubt, had no competition this weekend. Not even the Red Bull car could touch the Mercedes on either tire, on medium or hards. They were a step ahead. So I thought what originally what Mercedes strategy was going to be was to have Hamilton, you know, go longer because he has the tires to do that. And then that way, you know, they can make their strategy work. They didn't do that for reasons that I guess we'll find out in their debrief. But so they call Hamilton in. Once Hamilton gets in, even his stop wasn't 
that clean and wasn't fast. And again, you know, in the pits, these guys are trying to, you know, work at a synchronized uh, pace, you know, and so they it wasn't as bad as Max's. But like I said, it wasn't a clean stop. So they go ahead and release Hamilton. So now (laughs) if you're watching the TV, you know, most of us probably at this point, I know I can speak for myself, Lord, I am starting to clench my teeth because at the back of your head, you're thinking to yourself, oh boy. Okay, hold on. Max is coming, flying like a bat out of hell coming down the straights. Now, Hamilton is at the the exit side. You, you can't touch the white line. He's at the exit side coming in. Um, you know, and he's about to hit full speed. So again, I'm clenching my teeth because the way the timing and the racing gods worked, these guys are about to be next to each other in just a blink of an eye. And you're going, oh my God, I hope something bad is not going to happen. So Hamilton is a pretty much rejoins right next to Max now they're going into the Trafalo chicane and what happens is and you kind of have to watch different angles and different sides pretty much Hamilton has a jump on Max and so Max is also coming to the side and you can see originally that Ham Hamilton left him space but Max being Max and you know this is when you have to make a split decision because this Mazda track and specifically that corner they're at is a very narrow corner. I mean, both of you guys are not going to fit in that corner. So once Hamilton gave him a space and he was now proceeding, Max doesn't back out. He's there. So he hits the chicane uh, on the side, which in Monza, you know, I've always said this. I think those curbs are way, way too big and way too dangerous. And we saw an example of that. Max has impact with Hamilton, hits that chicane. And in in a move that I haven't seen in a long time, that chicane, that bump, launches Max's car. And now they're both beached in the sand, but Max's car actually ends up on top of the Mercedes and on top of Hamilton's car. And, you know, I mean, it's one of those moments where your mouth is open because when you actually, you know, zoom in now, the tires are pretty much like literally on top of Hamilton's head. So without that halo and then the roll bar that was on that Mercedes, they, you know, took that impact of Max's car, but what if the halo wasn't there? And that, like I said, that's a moment that it turns from shock because, you know, whether you're a fan of Max or Hamilton, it doesn't matter. You're disappointed because this could have been a great race. Now they've both taken each other out, but then your next immediate thought is, my God, that, that car with that spinning big wheel of the Red Bull that's directly over Hamilton's head. And and so this could have been a very ugly, um, dangerous thing. Now, 
you're watching the TV and Max comes out. And I actually saw this replay today. And I thought Max had just, because he's so angry, he was angry at the pit stop. Now they're both out of the race. So, of course, I can't imagine, you know, what he's feeling inside. But the part I didn't see race day and I saw today was, I thought Max, excuse me, I thought Max had just walked off. No, 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 he didn't do that. He actually, there was a split moment where Max turns around and he's looking at his vehicle on top of the Mercedes vehicle and on top of Hamilton. And, And he looks, like I said, for a couple of seconds and then walks on by. Just straight walks by. And by the way, there's a marshal who's screaming out to him and who's kind of motioning for him to come back because he didn't want, I mean, it's a safety regulation. You don't want a driver to walk on the track because you still have 18 other F1 cars, you know, that are still on the track. But the thing that just is bizarre is you do not even see Max for one second go over to the car that his vehicle is on top of. He doesn't go to Hamilton. He doesn't check to make sure that he's okay. I mean, you, your Red Bull car is literally on this man's head. If it wasn't for the halo, I don't even want to imagine. I don't even want to think about what could have happened. But your car is in that compromising position. And you are so angry. You don't even take time as a racing driver to check and see if that guy under that cockpit, under your tires... You're not going to check and see if he's okay? Boy, you know, I have an issue with that. I have an issue with that. And most of you out there from everything I've heard from Twitter land, um, and I'm, I'm including even like really hardcore supporters of Max Verstappen, really had an issue with that. And they were calling him to task on that. And he needs to be called to task. And guys, um, whenever I do this podcast, one of the things after watching F1 for so many years is what I'm very careful about is, yes, we all have our allegiances. You know, we all have our teams we support. We all have our drivers that we like. That's normal. Whether it's football, basketball, Formula One, we all have our favorite players. But I pride myself in calling a spade a spade. So if, you know, uh, Mercedes did something wrong, I'm going to mention that. If Red Bull did something wrong, I'm going to mention that. Same with McLaren. Whether it's my favorite driver, whether it's a driver I'm not a big fan of, it doesn't matter. I'm going to call it like it is wrong is wrong. No matter if you're a fan of Hamilton, if you're a fan of Max. I think this is a pivotal moment for maturity and somebody really needs to have a sit down with Max because we are now not just talking about championship points. We are now not just talking about, you know, by the end of Monza, are you going to be up by five points or three points? We are now talking about safety. We are now talking about people who've lost their life in motorsport. And at the end of the day, no matter what kind of heated rivalry you have, 
that guy in that vehicle, no matter who he is, again, it doesn't matter. It could be Hamilton. It could be Ricciardo. It could have been Norris. Pick a name. That's another driver. That's another person in your fraternity. And for you to coldly just walk away. By the way, breaking rules. As a marshal is motioning for you to come back to your vehicle, he completely, uh, excuse me, he completely ignores that, walks away, doesn't spend a second to check and see, is this guy okay? And um, that's not all right, guys. That, that That's not okay. That's not okay. So, um, consequently, we do find out, you know, I mean, like I said, all that matters is thank God Hamilton is okay. Thank God for the halo because boy, that has been a, a saving grace for a lot of drivers. If, if you guys look back at Grosjean's accident in Bahrain, one of the worst, um, scariest accidents I've ever seen in F1. And I'm going back 20 plus years. If it wasn't for the halo, we would be having a different conversation today about Grosjean. And that's a fact. That's not opinion. That's a fact. And the halo was very instrumental in making sure that Hamilton is not harmed. So from everything I know, um, after the race, Hamilton did say once the adrenaline and everything kind of lifted, his neck was hurting real bad. Um, what he's going to do is what he said is he's going to be checked by a specialist between now and Sochi, uh, which is the next race in Russia. And I think that's, of course, a really smart idea, because at the end of the day, you just want to make sure um, <clears throat> everything's OK. You know, nothing has been damaged. Nothing has been um, uh, kind of stressed in the neck area because that, that's a muscle, for, you know, F1 drivers really use use. So he's going to get that checked out. But um, yeah, I just I just really, really thought that it was a shame that Max acted that way. Now, fast forward after the race, um, the FIA has announced that Max, from all the evidence they've seen, of course, they talked to both the drivers. Keep in mind, the FIA have basically all the video, uh, the angles, everything on there. Um, they determined that they're gonna, Max was predominantly at fault. So he's been given a three place grid penalty, um, for the next upcoming race, which is going to be Sochi in Russia, like I said. So ultimately, you know, if you think of the championship and if you look at the bigger picture, as I mentioned, First thing is safety for the drivers, Uh, you know, not even concerned for the points. I just am glad whether it was Max or Hamilton, both of them were able to walk away. That's my first and primary concern. So now that we know they're both okay, in the bigger scheme of things, Max has really hurt himself because guess what? The next track they're going to go to is a Mercedes stronghold. Not only is it a Mercedes stronghold, it's also a very strong track for Valtteri Bottas. And I'll be coming uh, to Valtteri Bottas later on in the, in the podcast. We'll, we'll certainly talk about super Bottas, but um, so, you know, you are already on the back foot going into Russia. Now, 
no matter what you do, the best grid position, even if he was on pole, which he's not going to be, but that's going to be your starting from fourth because of your grid penalty. So Max has really compromised himself, but we're going to see how things play out. Uh, I do think before I move on to the next topic, which is going to be McLaren, um, as I said, you know, I do think, I don't know when this is going to happen. I don't even know if the Red Bull leadership and people like, you know, Christian Horner, the head of Red Bull, um, I, I don't know if they, if they're responsible enough or if they care, but I do believe they really need to have a sit down with Max and, you know, you, with this championship continuing, I have a feeling and, uh, you know, some people, my, uh, group of friends and my F1 group of friends echoed the same statements. Um, I don't know if this is going to be the last time Max and Hamilton are going to have collusion. I really don't guys. I think there's a possibility this may happen again. And so when is it going to be too far? Because Max still has not learned that you have to make a calculation and judgment. And sometimes you make, you may back out out of the corner and then you find another side or even the straights in Monza, and then you can attack cleanly. But Max chooses not to do that. What he wants, that aggression, the driving aggression that he has, yes, I mean, sometimes that serves him to win game, uh, to win races, but there's been plenty of times this season where it's cost him and it's cost him to have a, a, an accident. And you cannot win a championship, especially against a person who's uh, the caliber of Hamilton, who has seven, <laughs> not one, not two, not four, seven world championships. You cannot win races or even a championship against him by thinking that, you know, because this is Max Verstappen, people are going to back out of you know, the, the places that they, they have claimed, <clears throat> it doesn't work that way. There's going to be other drivers that are going to check you and go, no, I'm ahead of you. My car is ahead. It is up to you to avoid a collusion and back out. And Max doesn't seem to do that. And I hope somebody has a sit down with him. All right. One of the other, you know, big talking points of the weekend on this Monza review Boy, you got to give a big shout out to the McLarens uh, for Daniel Ricardo, who has pretty much struggled the entire year. And I mean, has not performed well. He has been outshined, outmaneuvered, outdriven by Norris the entire year. He had a weekend. There was some kind of switch that went off in Italy because even from the start, from Friday practice, Ricardo's fast. There was some switch in Italy. I don't know if that's that great pasta or that great pizza that's over there. I don't know what that switch was. I mean, all kidding aside, the McLaren with the Mercedes engine was very suited to this Monza track. That that Mercedes engine has given this team a fantastic boost. And you have two very good drivers. But Ricardo, you know, uh, has been really dejected because he has not performed up to snuff. 
And his teammate Norris, on the other hand, has raised his game so much. And we've talked about it in quite a few um, podcasts that how consistent Norris has been. So when you see, you know, Ricardo coming first, Norris coming in second for McLaren, of course, I mean, let's let's not forget the collusion that took out Hamilton and uh, Max definitely helped um, these two guys. I mean, you can't. That's a fact. You can't. We can't forget about that. But, you know, even if there wasn't a collusion, the, the McLaren had really tremendous pace this weekend. So you really have to give kudos to that team. Uh, I think for Ricciardo, especially. Um, who has struggled so much this year, I think this is going to be a big confidence booster for him uh, because we had gotten to a point where you actually started hearing rumors. Um, I'm not kidding, guys. There were rumors that were saying some people were thinking if, if the declined performance of Ricardo continued, would he even be back next year? I mean, there were legitimate talks behind the scenes, not by the team, but I just mean rumors that were circulating that that may be a possibility. And, you know, anytime you hear that, yes, sometimes, you know, rumors are unconfirmed, but they don't just come out of thin air. You know, there are people that have access to F1 teams that are privy to information. So I just say that to say, I think this is going to be a great shot in the arm for him uh the mclaren team just took in a lot a lot of points i'm talking about constructor points um with a one and two and that's gonna put a dent uh really with their rivalry with uh ferrari because you know those two teams have been uh really kind of competing with each other in, in in the constructor points so this is going to put a big, big dent on that on that constructor point difference that they had. Um, so, you know, Ferrari has to has to be aware of that. Now, Ferrari is supposed to have a new and improved engine that, uh, you know, rumors out of Italy are this is going to bring a big step to the vehicle, to the to their race car. Um, I'll believe that when I see it, and that's not to say that I'm not optimistic about this engine, but the, the problem is, you know, so when and where is it going to be introduced? Because now we're in the second half of the season. McLaren is really strong. Look at the performance they just had this past weekend. They've gotten a lot of points, thanks to especially Ham and, uh, Hamilton and Max being out of the race. So, it's going to be an uphill battle for Ferrari, but we're going to have to we're going to have to see how that's going to work out and how that's going to play out. Um, one of the other talking points throughout the weekend was um, a lot of people are questioning, you know, the sprint race at Monza that wasn't necessarily the best show. Um, people really, and when I say people, of course, anytime I'm saying that, you know, F1 fans, people in the F1 community, um, they are starting to question the merit of sprint races. In other words, do we like them? Do we want them? Uh, do we want them to stay? One thing that was obvious was Monza was not necessarily one of the best places to have a sprint race. Okay. 
And by the way, I, you know, this is kind of one of those comments that you make, you know, 20, you know, hindsight is 2020, right? I mean, on, on the surface, Monza is one of the fastest speed tracks on the F1 count. Um, it has, you know, straights that you can take over, but of course it's a hard track, you know, to make, uh, take over maneuvers. And then it has twists and turns that are very narrow. So, you know, you have to, I mean, I would, I don't blame the FI for making a sprint race there because you would think that would be a good idea with the speed factor. But now that we saw the sprint race, a mm, little bit of a question mark there. So that was a sentiment uh, that was being asked by a lot of people. Um, an interesting thing about Monza that I heard today, I was um, listening to a certain uh, program and it was actually a race driver, not an F1 race driver, but the, the gentleman is a race driver. And he said, he said something interesting that stuck with me. He said the Monza track, most people are not aware. And he said the, the actual, the cameras don't do any justice to how narrow that track is. So that's one of the reasons it makes it a difficult part, uh, park, uh, difficult racetrack to pass on is that factor. And so, you know, he, he mentioned the camera doesn't actually do it any, any justice. And you got to remember these F. F1 cars are, you know, lengthwise, widthwise, they're the biggest they've ever been. So it becomes harder and harder to do those moves when the track is still, you know, the same traditional track it's been 40, 50 years ago. You know, it was made a long while back and these cars, these race cars are getting bigger and bigger. So you got to look at that factor. But, you know, the sprint race was definitely questioned. I think what should be good is so when next year comes with the new regulations and the new vehicles that can follow each other closely, then maybe the sprint races will be more fun. But, you know, some people are definitely um, questioning that. So we just have to wait and see. We're going to see how it plays out. All right. One of the final things I wanted to touch on is, you know, so we have to talk about Valtteri Bottas. You know, Valtteri Bottas, as I've covered in the last podcast, uh, finally um, was, you know, confirmed. So we had the announcement, you know, George Russell is going to be coming to Mercedes. A very well-deserved move, um, you know. So Valtteri is going to Alfa Romeo and that's another great move. You know, he absolutely deserves to be in F1. He's a really consistent top driver. There's no reason why he shouldn't be on the grid. And so I'm really glad that he got confirmed. And I also think George Russell is a very deserving uh, person for that second seat in Mercedes. You know, he has been patient. He has been biding his time. Um, his friends that he came up with in the lower ranks, that's F2 and everything. So you're talking about Charles Leclerc. Uh, you're talking about Lando Norris. You know, they're kind of part of the same, you can say, racing, graduating fraternity. Well, both, you know, his guys landed big teams, one in McLaren, one in Ferrari. So he was in Williams you know, learning, um, in a car that was 
towards the back of the grid. But I think it was an extremely smart decision by Mercedes and Total Wolf because you learn a lot at the bottom. You know, you learn how to navigate uh, a car that is not a top running car. You know, when you saw George Russell, what he did with qualifying, you know, and wrangling this car by its neck in Williams. Well, that that gives you a very nice real life preparation when you get into the upper echelon of F1, you know, when you're at Mercedes, when you're at a Ferrari, uh, the pressure is on because it doesn't get any higher. You know, it, it doesn't. That's the top step. Uh, there's no off weekend that you can have every weekend, every qualifying, you are in a car that can beat out everybody else on the field. So the pressure that is on you is multiplied. So, and the expectation is multiplied. So I think that was a very good, um, preparation for George Russell to make that transition in the top team. And and so in mentioning that, of course, the person who's giving up that seat, Valtteri Bottas, being confirmed uh, for Alfa Romeo, you know, for the first time in his career, Bottas now has a multi-year deal. So previously with Mercedes, he usually used to get the one-year contracts. And I certainly think and believe wholeheartedly that, you know, there's a different bounce to Botas now. If, if you looked at the interviews, uh, if you looked at how he performed over the weekend, I think, you know, psychologically, first off, being an F1 driver, just like being any, you know, being um, a high level athlete. There's a lot of pressure they endure that most of us maybe in our day-to-day jobs do not because you have to perform um, at a very high level, you know, where thousands of seconds count. And you can see by his performance, you know, he was, he out-qualified Hamilton, which is a very difficult thing to do and a very rare thing to do. Um, He won the sprint race, you know, he not only, and I'm going to get to what he did in the race, but not only did he perform fantastic in the race, but he was actually great all weekend. And I will say to you, Botas probably had not just the best Sunday of his career, but I will, and this is not even hyperbole, I will say to you, Botas probably had one of the best weekends. If you look at all the circumstances, one of the best weekends of his career, because, you know, Mercedes, for some reason, and I'm, you know, again, let me say this hindsight is 2020. Let me always preface it that way, because it's very easy for us to sit in our armchairs and call out decisions. So I'm, I'm always aware of that. That is something that I say to my friends. Whenever I talk about F1 or any sport for that matter, it it is really easy to talk after the fact and point things out. But for some odd reason, Mercedes had chosen to take an engine penalty in Monza for Bottas's car, which means you're basically going to start at the end of the grid. Now, 
because of the unexpected bad start that Hamilton had, of course, that decision came to bite them very heavily because now, you know, Bottas, instead of starting from first on the grid where, you know, they, they could have some things to work for strategy-wise, now Hamilton is in a compromised position and Bottas is starting from dead last. Even with this fantastic pace that the car had this weekend, he is still starting from dead last on a track that's not easy to pass. So, I, you know, I, I don't know necessarily why. I'm, I'm sure there's a very good reason for it. But for some reason, Mercedes chose to do that this weekend. And so, you know, Botas, you know, makes a start. And you can see very early on, you know, this is one of the biggest criticisms of Botas. He, he really has a hard time uh, passing vehicles, especially when he's in the mid-grid or, you know, just when he's not up front, we've seen time and time again where Hamilton can aggressively make up spots and, and make passes. But yet you see Botas and he's stuck behind the slow car lap after lap after lap. And like I said, this weekend, I think there was a different sense of relief that he had. Uh, he knows where he's going. He knows there's security um, in his F1 career. And from the very start, he was starting to pass cars really fast and making very good gains. And like I said, I was starting to say to myself, man, is there a chance Botas can possibly, who knows, maybe get up in the top three? I was actually saying this really early on during the race. I was like, Man, I hope he can make headway. And then when Hamilton had his accident with Max, his get together, then he was the lone Mercedes out there. You know, there's a different sense of weight because now you're the only car representing the team. You know, your other uh, teammate is out. And, you know, Botas just progressed um, with with tenacity with calculation, uh, without not jeopardizing anything, risking anything. He worked his way up all the way from back, from the back of the grid, from 20th to come to the podium step, the third step. Guys, that's an achievement. I mean, that is a phenomenal weekend for Botas. And as I always say, you got to tip that invisible cap, that invisible hat to Botas because that was a performance. This is what you want to see from Botas, especially on a day your main pilot, Hamilton, is out. He's taken out in a very dangerous maneuver. You know, Botas really, really represented for the team. And I listened to an interview um, that they had with him after the race. And he really calmly explained, you know, that one, the pace of the car was fantastic, but he said he had to judge the line of, you know, when he's making these maneuvers at the back of your head, you also have to be super careful because of course you don't want to compromise and make a lunge or make a move that's going to be an accident. That's going to take your wing out that, you know, that's going to cause you to crash. So he said he was kind of, you know, methodically, 
you know, once you clear one car, okay, who's my next car coming up? And, and just, you know, that's not an easy thing to do. Just judging, okay, when to make a move, when to make a lunge, you know, and how to do it in a safe manner. He was doing that each step of the way. And when you think about starting from the back of the grid, uh, to the position that they achieved, I mean, that's an achievement, guys. So really, really big kudos to Botas. Um, like I said, that is one of the best drives of his career. And I think he did great for the team. And I also think, you know, Botas is really going to be a very integral part for the team moving forward until the end of the year, because you need both drivers in this constructor's battle. And especially in a situation where, God forbid, but if Hamilton and Verstappen get tangled up again, man, you, you need your other guy. You need your other driver. And, and let's look at, you know, how, how his counterpart in Red Bull, Checo, uh, Perez, Perez hasn't been doing well. And I was going to say, let's see how his counterpart in Red Bull is doing. And, you know, Perez is having a very hard time qualifying. And what's happening is he's kind of getting stuck at the back and he's having to work his way up during the races. And he finished, I believe, P5 at this Monza track. But, you know, Botas started from the bottom and you know, manage to score a podium. So that is going to be an issue for Red Bull. That is definitely going to be something that's an issue. I mean, there's no denying that Checo's an experienced guy, but for whatever reason, he's having a hard time putting together a lot of times the Saturdays, the qualifying. And unfortunately for him, you know, in Bottas, Mercedes have a great qualifier. You know, I mean, they have the all-time qualifier in history, in F1 history in Hamilton. And then the guy next to him is another great qualifier. So, you know, Red Bull are going to have their work cut out for them because that's the team you're going against. That's the team you're competing with. So um, really great, great credit to Botas. By the way, the next track that F1 is going to, Russia and Sochi, Botas is, I mean, when I say that is one of his favorite tracks, Botas' record in, in Russia is is very strong. I When I say strong, I'm talking about even Hamilton has the great almighty Sir Hamilton has a hard time against Botas in Russia. So what I'm saying is that's where they're going next. Look at the performance he had this weekend. I mean, it's going to be a tough battle uh, in two weeks. So we're just going to have to see how that plays out. But I do think talking about this crash, which of course is going to divide people. Now the FIA, as I mentioned, have taken their stance that is going to cause a penalty. I just really hope, like I said, that um, we're, we're just going to have to see as fans. I, you know, we don't know how this is going to unfold. But, you know, if Max continues with the same mind frame that he has now, continues to race like that, not making any adjustments and thinking that, you know, 
people and other drivers have to back out. But I don't, that mentality, I truly believe that can cost Max a championship. And I think Max is a really talented driver. I don't think he needs to resort to tactics like this. I think we can, this this season has already been historically one of the best racing seasons we've witnessed as F1 fans. So I think if he can just keep it clean, he has the talent to go toe-to-toe with, with Hamilton. I, I, I don't doubt that. Not only does he have the talent, for most of the tracks, he, he also has the car underneath him. But the, there has to be a mentality shift that happens. And I hope that that takes place so that us racing fans can be treated to these two extremely, extremely talented guys, you know, fighting for every inch of the track. I hope we can see that. Um, But again, time will tell, you know, we could have a very hard headed Max that says, I'm not changing anything about my driving style. If that means I'm going to have more accidents, I don't care. I'm going to keep on doing that. If we have that, I don't know what we're going to do, but I hope that's not going to be the case. So, yeah, uh, we'll just have to wait and see. But guys, um, you know, guys, ladies, from wherever you're listening to around the globe, I want to thank you again for tuning into the TF1 podcast, episode 11. I uh, hope you guys have a good rest of your week, and I look forward to coming back again, talking to you about the Sochi review. Okay, take care and have a great rest of your week.